You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. I need to be expressing my gratitude to you guys. And it has just been a great joy to be with you this week, man. I gotta tell you, last night was for me off the chain. It was so fun. Um, And it really wasn't even what happened during the service, although that was kind of cool just to watch you guys turn around and begin to uh, prophesy over each other, speak encouragement over each other, but it it was what happened afterwards. I was here for like an hour and a half after we finished just praying with people and I just felt the spirit of prophecy in the, so, so richly, it was just beautiful. And on Wednesday night, I watched you guys minister to each other in the place of prayer, and that was just so beautiful. So um, I love being with y'all. I love it. I, I love to see you on this journey, and I'm really proud of you for, um, for really leaning in. I know that you're all in different places, and, um, but I, I just gotta say, as a whole, this is an amazing student body, and I'm really proud of you. So give yourselves a hand. You're an awesome group of people. So I, I wanted to leave you with a gift and something that I hope will help you to keep this week going all the way through the end of the semester. Um, this is something that we use at Mosaic and at my church. And it's called Three Steps Forward, and we use it in every single small group and we, uh, for, for, for groups of people who band together just for prayer and accountability. Um, we use it in a lot of ways. Um, and I just wanted to make one just for you guys. So this one, the, the stuff on the back, if you'll just turn around and look at the back, all of these, um, all of these Bible verses, these scripture passages, I put together just with you guys and just with the theme of this week in mind. So it kind of bounces back and forth. One week is uh, prayers uh, or or teachings about prayer from Jesus or the New Testament, and the next week is a group of Psalms. And what this kind of gives you the opportunity to do is is to commit to four times a week, just four times a week, you're gonna commit to reading a passage and then sort of following what's on the front of the card, just following it all the way down and it gives you a really beautiful personal time with the Lord. And from today, I hate to do this to you, but it's still 14 weeks to go in the semester, sorry. But from today until, um, or from really from next week until the end of the semester, I mean like the very, very, very end is 14 weeks, maybe that's graduation. So this takes you all the way through the spring. So now look at the front of the card. Um, We've really spelled it out for you so that all you have to do is just click through the numbers. You start just by a prayer, just asking God, speak to me through the text. And then you read through the passage once. That's one of these on the back, you know, like the first day you do this will be Matthew chapter six, verses five through eight. That's where we were on Wednesday. And then you're gonna underline the verses or the words or the phrases that grab your attention. You don't have to have a reason for it. If it stands out for you, just underline or circle. And then contemplate that, whatever you've underlined or circled. And you write down any insights. I brought my journal up just so I could show you. I I use my journal and I actually use um, two different colors of pen. I have a red pen and a blue pen. I write the blue stuff is what I'm sure just my thoughts. And then if I get a, a thought that's smarter than what I could have thought myself, 
else, I write it in red. That's the words of Jesus. <laughs> um, and, then, and then ask those couple of questions, number four and five. What does the scripture reveal about God and his mission? And what does the scripture reveal about the people of God? Then you're gonna move into a time of confession. Just look over the text again, the same text. So the first day, Matthew 6, five through eight, look over it again and then just ask yourself, given this text, given what I'm reading right here, where am I missing it? Where am I getting it right? What's the grace that I need? And again, you can answer those questions in a journal. If you're just not a journaler, it's okay, just answer them in your head because this is just you and Jesus sitting here chatting over his word. And the last piece is to look over the text one more time, same text, and, and, and turn any verses that come to you as, turn them into praise, thanksgiving, and a prayer for grace. And then, and then, this is my favorite part, number two under communion, just focus on God and enjoy Him. We haven't really been taught how to do that, or even told we could do that. But there's a place in prayer where you just stop and just say, Jesus, thank you. And just, what do you have for me? What's, what do you wanna say here? I, it's just, I just like being in your presence. Just enjoy them for a minute or two. Then that last little bit, three, four, and five, and six, helps you get outside yourself and into the world. So pray for God to reveal himself to three people in your path and then write those names down and those three names can be the same names through the whole 14 weeks. Think of somebody in your class or your, your dorm or your family that you really wanna focus on. Then listen for how the Holy Spirit will direct you to pray for them specifically and ask the Holy Spirit if there's a next step that he's inviting you to take in caring for these neighbors. And by caring for these neighbors, I'm not talking about banging them over the head with the Roman road or the four spiritual laws. I'm just, you know, maybe that person is down with COVID right now and could use a meal. Or, you know, maybe what they need is just a time with coffee over at Solomon's porch. Just, how can you care for their soul? Just show the love of Jesus to them. And then finally, that last question is a kingdom question. What is God saying and how can you partner with him in the work? So I hope you will take this, everything that we've done this week, because it all flows into the kingdom. And I hope you will let it run all the way through the rest of this semester. Um, you know, I, I, I brought my, my Bible and my journal just because I want to show you, this is kind of my, these, this with this card in here, these are my morning tools. Here it is right here. And I've got my pins inside of here. I use a, um, I use a repurposed rosary even and I use it to help me pray for those people that God has laid on my heart and I pray for my own faith every day and I pray for the ministries of my church every day and I'm amazed at how just having a, a bead for everything that I'm thinking about helps me to keep all my prayers in sort of an order. That's what the rosary was originally really for. Um, and so I just kind of have, these are my tools and I have a place, I have one place that I, that I go to, um, to, to sit with God in that place is kind of important because if you, can, if you can use the same place every day, it becomes a trigger for you. And it needs to be a trigger to you know, sit with the Lord, not take a nap. <laughs> so your bed probably might not be that place, although I know your, your place is kinda, uh, your, your quarters may be more cramped, but um, I, just wanna, I just wanna encourage you, find a regular place to pray. And if you can make it happen four days every week between now and the end of the semester, 
Think about what that could mean for the rest of your college career. Think about how that might order, begin to order your days. Think about how that might begin to really uh, kind of ground you at the beginning of the day. And the things that every single person coming up here tells you is really good to ground your day in. So I wanted to give you that. Um, and to tell you, really, that, that this is a way to keep focus. And right now, focus is a deal, you know? I mean, all our brains are kind of like that because, because of the whole pandemic thing. It's just done a work on our brains. It's made us anxious. It's kept us from being able to focus. But distractions are a killer for spiritual depths. Somebody said that focus is the art of knowing what to ignore. And if focus is the answer to a just distracted mind, then I can say for myself that in the spiritual life, Spiritual focus is honed right there in that place of prayer. So there's that. Um, so I just want to kind of wrap everything up for you and talk one more time about the kingdom and about prayer. All right, so when we pray, is anybody there? Is anybody answering? Does prayer work? Does God need our intervention, our prayers, our pleading, our opinion in order to make things happen? Does God really care what we think? Or is that even the point? Is the point of prayer for me to tell God what I think, need, want, so he can make it happen? Is that it? Or maybe it isn't that prayer shapes how God thinks. Maybe prayer is designed to shape how I think, but does it? And that's really been the point of this whole week's focus on the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 8, and especially that one line, verse 10, your kingdom come. Let's say that line one more time together, uh, starting with your kingdom come. You ready? Go. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how Matthew puts it. Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer is even more basic. It challenges us to focus on the kingdom of God. So I wanna ask you to get your Bible out, if you've got it, and, um, and I want maybe something to write with, and I want you to look with me at Luke chapter 11. This is the other place where you find the Lord's Prayer, and Luke's version is a little different than Matthew, and we need both of them to get all the good of, out of what Jesus um, wants to teach us about prayer. So let's start with Luke chapter 11, beginning with verse one. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples, which is kind of a crack up to me. We want what John's disciples have. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. So what do you notice about this version of the Lord's Prayer? Do you see anything different here? I wonder, just call it out. What do you notice? I want three people to tell me what you notice. Shorter. It's shorter. Somebody else. Don't deliver us from evil. There's no deliver us from evil, that's good. Okay, one more. There is no, that's exactly right. And, there's, and that's also not in Matthew. And that's a really good insight. It's something we added. But um, that's really a good insight. What I notice in Luke is that one line, the one we've been focusing on this week, is now down to three words. Your kingdom come. 
which tells me that everything Jesus does is for the purpose of building the kingdom on earth and that if his kingdom comes, God's will will also be done. Really, that whole line in Matthew can be boiled down to three words, your kingdom come. Everything Jesus does is for the purpose of building the kingdom on earth, which makes me think that this line in his prayer must be the very heart of God. uh, Michael Milton says that to pray this line is to be involved in a gospel conspiracy to take over the world. He writes, it's a prayer that changes the makeup of the cosmos beginning from your very heart and moving out in space and time to everything under creation. Milton says, if you pray your kingdom come, you are inviting the King, Jesus Christ, to move into your life and the lives of other people around you and to breathe his Holy Spirit into you and them. Every person healed, every demon cast out, every word spoken to sinners, an advancement of the kingdom of God in the world. Which sounds amazing, right? But I'm guessing it isn't where most of us live. Most of us are just trying to keep our heads above water. I'm guessing that at this point in the semester, you're just trying to get to Friday, right? Am I right? That works for school, but that kind of survival thinking in prayer keeps us from getting a vision for what can be after Friday. (laughs) And that seeps into our prayer lives and it makes our prayers too small. We end up praying survival prayers, reacting to whatever has us down for the count, begging God to fix what is broken, wallowing in what has already happened that you can't change. Survival prayers, for the most part, are backward-looking. Kingdom prayers are forward-looking. So which kind of prayer are you praying these days? Are you praying the problem or the provision? What have you been praying about lately? What have you been begging God for? So I wonder if you got a shift there. And I wonder how it would change the way you pray if you began to pray the provision and not the problem in other places in your life. All right, look at Luke chapter 11, verse five. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey and he's come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The doors are already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of the friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, I want you to underline that whole phrase, because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. I am so taken by that phrase in verse eight, shameless audacity. Isn't that great? The story says, verse six, a friend of mine has come to me and I have no food to offer him, no food. In the story Jesus tells, the the friend is asking his neighbor for food and when the neighbor doesn't want to get up to give it, the friend just keeps knocking. I love that friend. (laughs) And he's not drunk. That's the best part. I happen to be a fan of shameless audacity. Listen, the point of the story is to stop letting fear keep you from pressing in. In other words, Take authority over your prayer life. In other words, 
Stop digging shallow holes and start digging deep wells. Someone somewhere said that a lot of us live our lives like a person who wants to dig a well. We want to dig a well, but we go about it all wrong. We dig two or three feet here and a few feet there, and we keep doing that all over the field, digging shallow holes, looking for water, until the whole field is full of little holes, but none of them deep enough to hit water. And the moral of that story is that if you want to reach water, you have to stay in one place long enough to dig deep. You have to stay in that one place, that place of prayer, long enough to dig deep. Friends, the point of prayer is not just to dig deep enough to get your immediate needs met, but to dig deep enough to get to kingdom realities. I learned this for myself, that you won't take on the depths until you are sick and tired of the superficial. Do you want to be profoundly aware of his presence, in touch with him at the deepest levels? Do you want to think his thoughts, receive his wisdom, live as close to his heart as is humanly possible? Do you want to see the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven? And that's not a rhetorical question. I'm asking, do you want to see the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven? That's really what this whole week has been about. It's about deciding, do we want that or not? And if we do, do we find a life of prayer that allows us to dig deep? Because face it, anybody can have a shallow prayer life. Lord, make this red light turn green. Give me a, play, a space at Walmart closer to the door. Anybody can have a shallow prayer life. But a deep life of prayer, that's a rare thing, and it's a gift to the world. We have friends who have a funny little dog named um, Freddie. Freddie has a ton of energy. That little guy will jump and jump and jump when a visitor walks in the door, then mess with the other dogs and chase them around, then go after the cat, then run like crazy around the backyard, and then almost without warning, he just passes out. Lights out, gone, dead asleep. So Freddie is burst of energy for five minutes and then comatose. I suspect a lot of us have the spirit of Freddie lurking in our prayer lives. We get passionate about something, we pray like crazy for five minutes, and then we do the spiritual equivalent of rolling over on our backs and passing out. We lose our energy too quickly, we dig shallow holes. So right here in Luke 11, Jesus gives us permission to interrupt, to stay in it, to keep asking. If you're not getting the answer you need, maybe you haven't dug a well deep enough, so keep coming back and keep coming back, long past good sense, shameless audacity, beating a path to God's door, because if you keep digging wells, if you keep after it, you will strike living water. Look at verse 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks you for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus tells us right here, this is the payoff for digging a deep well, for staying after a life of prayer. You don't necessarily get all the stuff you want, but what you get is the Holy Spirit. Yes. When Jesus teaches us to keep beating on that door, keep coming back to him with those burdens that are on our minds and in our hearts, friends and family still out there in the wilderness, finances that are a mystery to you. 
Health hanging in the balance, papers we have no clue how to write, situations we cannot fix on our own. What he is really doing is training us to bring it all to the one who is present. And we keep coming over and over and over, not so our needs get met, but so that our lives become completely, wholly, only his. Because listen, here's the punchline. The kingdom is not actually a place. The kingdom is a person, Jesus. The kingdom of God is the inbreaking reign of Jesus. This is how he introduced himself, Matthew 4, 17, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And this is how he prayed, Matthew 6, 9 through 13, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is how he taught, Luke 17, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Jesus knew the kingdom of God was being ushered into the world through him. Hear that. Wherever the kingdom is, Jesus is. Wherever Jesus is, the kingdom is. It is his rule that will ultimately destroy the destroyer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when we pray the prayer of Jesus, we're praying in agreement with the Holy Spirit that Jesus will be Lord over everything, that whatever is whole in heaven will be made whole on earth. We are praying for perfect love, perfect peace, perfect joy. We pray for the pervasive love and power of Jesus Christ to spread across the globe. We are praying for Jesus to come home. This is how the story ends, Revelation 22. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Friends, do you want that water? then keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, keep on showing up in the place of prayer. Dig deep enough to get the gift because there will come a day when Jesus answers all our prayers and delivers the kingdom in its fullness and destroys every power that has resisted it. We don't know when and shouldn't trust the people who think they do, but we, and we don't know how, except that it sounds from the Bible like it will be obvious. This won't be like the first coming when Jesus defeated the power of sin and death. The second coming will usher in the kingdom of God and the restoration of our created design and Jesus will hand the kingdom over to the Father and we will experience life, real life. There will be a tree, John says, as if peering behind a curtain with leaves that heal whole nations and there will be the face of God exposed and there is the lamb and we will see him. We will see the lamb, come on y'all. It will be so rich and we'll find ourselves falling down in front of angels only to be told they are just the half of it. 
We will see the beginning and the end, the whole story laid out, all our questions laid to rest, and we will hear the only invitation we ever wanted to hear, the living word, Jesus Christ himself, will invite us full on into the kingdom with this one syllable word, come. The answer to all our your kingdom come prayers is Jesus' own prayer for us. Come.